Hello and welcome to today's edition of the Business Excellence Podcast. My name is Rail Bricker coming to you from Perth, Western Australia. And with me, as usual, my co-host from Brisbane, Australia, Lindsay Adams. Hello and welcome. For a value added extra, excellencepodcast.com has heaps of free resources for you to download. That is excellencepodcast.com. Our special guest today is Derek McManus. Um, Derek hails from Adelaide in South Australia, and he is a speaker, a workshop facilitator, and ex and an ex South Australian police officer who amazingly was shot 14 times in a siege uh, in the Barossa Valley in 1994 and has lived to tell the tale. Welcome, Derek. Great to be here with you, uh, with the both of you. So, mate, you've got to tell us, give us the short version of this story. Uh, wow. Um, I know a little, but I don't know the full story. Help me understand what happened. Yeah, so uh, I was operating in the police, what we call STAR Group, Special Task and Rescue, and uh, I was a sniper. I was an underwater recovery diver, and I've been trained by the SAS in counterterrorism. So our job was to arrest high-risk offenders and contain terrorist incidents, hostage siege situations. Um, This person was designated as a high-risk offender uh, because we knew there was potential for him to be violent. Uh, We were tasked to go and arrest him. I attended there with a team. Um, He clearly did not want to be uh, arrested because he started shooting. (laughs) He, uh, He fired 18 times in less than five seconds, and he hit me 14 times. Uh, with either bullets or shrapnel. Uh, and I was then lying on the ground for three hours. Three managing hours? Three hours, three hours. Managing my mind, managing my body, managing my emotions and managing the situation generally. Uh, the team that I was with, they were pinned down. They couldn't get to me. Uh, and we had to call him back up. Um, and when back up got there, the first person to get to me said that he saw my injuries and he, he felt for sure I was going to lose this forearm because of the, the massive injury. Um, I'd already been going through, passing in and out of consciousness. I'd seen the white light that comes with that near-death experience. Uh, and the first doctor to get to me said that when he first saw me, he thought I was dead, but I took a last gasping breath and he thought, may as well at least have a look. I said, thanks very much when he told me that story. Um <laughs> But he was still standing in direct line of fire when he was risking his life to save mine. Bullets were whizzing around his ears. Uh, But he stabilised me for 10 minutes in direct line of fire. Um, And in the analysis afterwards, he says he doesn't know how my heart didn't stop. All the textbooks say it should have stopped. Uh, The only reason he believes it didn't stop is I hadn't read those textbooks. And that's his words, not mine. Uh, and, And I've actually got that on a news report video. Um, but I, while I was on the ground, it was all about mindset. It was all about belief. It was all about pre-planning, not waiting until you get into the incident and saying, what can we do? It's about anticipating the choices that I'd made, the possible consequences of those choices, and then what the future might look like after those consequences and doing that planning before I took any action. So it's an awareness of those risks that faces. And so this is not just about high-risk situations. This is about anything we do with our kids, with our business, with our love life, with our uh, community, with our uh, spiritual beliefs. It's about just having some real 
deep conversations with ourselves um, about what the reality of the future is and what skills we have to deal with them, where those gaps are, um, and how we can optimise our performance under pressure. Derek, I mean, that's amazing, having, having carried a lot of firearms in the country that I was born in and grew up in, um, you know, anyone getting off 18 rounds in that time was really trying to do some serious damage to you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, you know, doing my research around you and what you've spoken about and what you do, you, you talk about a concept called human durability. Um, and, and, you know, you, you, you know, how do you apply that in the business sense, you know, in more detail, like you, you got yourself through this trauma how do, you, how do you now apply that in a business sense? Okay, so human durability is about going beyond resilience and sustaining optimal performance. And, and it's just what I was sort of uh, alluding to before. Resilience essentially is the ability to bounce back after something goes wrong, after we make a mistake, after a catastrophe. Um, and resilience is good. It's powerful. We need to be resilient because we will always stretch ourselves and something will go wrong. But we need to know, also know where we are able to sustain an optimal performance because this is what we all do. Uh, or it's what we all want. We want to be able to implement a strategy and know that this strategy has the best chance of outcome by design rather than going, I'm going to have a crack at this and I might lose $100,000, but it feels right. Let's have a crack at it. Um, we want to do the strategizing beforehand. So we need to take responsibility for our choice, our behavior, our consequence, and then the future afterwards. And a lot of people go, okay, so this is all about the negative. No, we've got to prepare for the positive as well because we all know of businesses that do so well they fail because they hadn't prepared for doing that well. But we've got to make these decisions and uh, have an anticipation of what might go wrong before we start taking the action. So when we look at business leaders, um, it comes right down to strategizing for the hot business overall, but it can come right down to having those one-on-one -on -one mentoring conversations with an employee that just needs a little bit of assistance to get up to that level of performance. If you just go, I hate these conversations, I don't like them, I hope it goes well, then, you know, you're leaving it up to good fortune or luck. But if we actually prepare for it and, and allow ourselves time to understand our position, understand their position, and have conversations with compassion, as well as impetus for growth, um, then we've got a much better chance of outcome by design. So it applies across a whole business. Well, let me ask you, I mean, I'm going to throw a bit of a, uh, a question here. Do people overthink things then? So, so at what point do, you, do, do businesses over-strategize and overthink and get to spreadsheet number 27 and go, we're not sure if this is going to work, should they have stopped at spreadsheet number two and actually had some wisdom and insight? Or, you know, I, I'm starting to see more businesses because of the pandemic the last few years and the uncertainty actually trying to think things through too much. Can you ever think things through I, too much? Yeah, I, I totally agree. You can, you can get locked in procrastination. You can get locked in analysis and, and not want to take a step forward because you don't know the exact answer. Um, for me, it's simply have some idea of what we're going to deal with, some idea of how we're going to deal with it. Now, the bigger the challenge, the more planning we have to do. Um, but I'm just trying to remember his name, uh, Secretary of State in uh, Colin Powell, 
Colin Powell's um, leadership or decision-making for leaders rule is that you need to make a decision between 40% knowledge and 70% knowledge. If it's less than 40%, you haven't got enough. Once it starts getting to 40% and more, then you've got a, a, an idea of the next step that you should take. But if you get to 70% knowledge and you're still waiting, then you're lost. That opportunity is probably going to be missed. So it's between 40 and 70%. And I think if we can stick to that rule, it stops us from getting bogged down. Eric, you've been trained. You, um, you, I know you spent many, many years in the police force. Uh, you've been trained at an elite level. Uh, and you think, plan, do, operate, you know, I can imagine this is almost second nature for you. Yeah, absolutely. Of your, your background. What about Joe Average, uh, Joe, small businessman who hasn't had that elite training? Is it possible for them to implement this human durability you're speaking of um, without the level of training perhaps that you had? Yeah, absolutely. Um Human durability, I hope, is going to take over from the, the concept of resilience. And as we know, resilience applies to anybody, kids in school, CEOs, hairdressers, and these people have all been my audience. I do regular work with kids in schools and their challenges are bullying, homework, teachers, peers, all that sort of stuff. Um, and what I get people to do in the beginning of a workshop is I get them to identify what are the challenges that they can face in the future? Realistic challenges for them. You're right, I'm trained at the elite level and I trained myself for that elite level. I knew there was a chance I may be shot and injured. I may be shot and killed. I had conversations with my wife about that possibility, but that's not reality for everybody. So I get people to identify and I whiteboard all this and workshop it. Um, what are the challenges you can realistically expect to encounter in your business? Now, this may be business takeovers. This may be uh, a company starting up next to you, somebody coming up with a better concept of yours. It may be struggling with finance. It may be that uh, your experts get headhunted, whatever it might be. But then it also comes down to it doesn't have to be just a business concept that impacts your ability to operate. It may be that your uh, parents are getting elderly and need more care. It may be that your uh, finances at home are struggling. It may be that your pet is sick. And so I talk about realistic challenges. Then I get them to workshop, what are the emotions you go through? And then I get them to workshop, what are the tools that you have to manage all those emotions? And so this applies to anybody. And I believe that everybody should be prepared for the level of challenge that they're going to take on. And a very quick example of a very basic everyday challenge is that if you remember the first time you stepped into a car and you're learning how to drive, or if you've been teaching someone and you know what it's like for them, first time you step into a car, you are panicking, you are worried about this beast is going to get away. Um, and so that first step, you're thinking about every movement you do. But when you drive a car now, right, you're singing to the tunes, you're thinking about your next business plan, you're having a chat with the kids in, in the back seat. But if something happens in front of you, you're right there. You are able to do exactly what you're needed to do because you have prepared yourself for that level of challenge. And I say it's exactly the same in every aspect of our lives. We go into relationships. We have some idea of how those relationships are going to go because Everybody's been through them. We've seen divorces. We've seen breakups. We've seen people getting on, getting on exceptionally well and lasting all their lives. All these are possible 
We just don't like to think of them being possible for us. And then when they do hit, we go, oh, I didn't see this coming. Uh, I don't know what to do. Some idea of what we're going to deal with, some idea of how we're going to deal with it. So our listeners can't see this, but my good buddy here, Rail, has uh, has got grey hair. Two years ago, <laughs> when he started to teach his son to drive, he had rich, Head deep, black. dark coloured hair. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, so, Derek, let me ask you a question. So, so the other thing that I've that you've spoken about is the difference. Uh, so, so going back to basics, right? When, when you're doing a strategy yeah. session yeah. for a company, you know, we always use the term going back to basics. But what is the difference between going back to basics and going back to a baseline? Okay, so I describe. I have a, a continuum of durability, and the continuum starts with uh, fragile. When we first start something, we are absolutely fragile. Uh, we're new, we're learning, we, we naturally make mistakes. And if it's happening to someone else and they're just coming onto the team, we understand about them, but we sometimes are really critical of ourselves. So we need to understand when we start something new, we're fragile. With good coaching and mentoring and guidance, we'll quickly move to that point where we're a problem solver um, and we can bounce back. We can do the problem solving, we can work it out, we can bounce back. That's resilience. I like to move to that next stage of durability where we are 100% reliable. We know that everything that we do will predictably go right. Um, and this becomes a term that most people are uh, uncomfortable with, our comfort zone. And I say we have to know where our comfort zone is and be quite happy to come back to our comfort zone because our, uh, because our comfort zone is where we are 100% reliable. Absolutely everything goes right. And I say that this is our baseline for performance. Once we're in our comfort zone, we actually go on board now, I want to take on a challenge. But if that challenge crashes and burns, people say, oh, okay, if you crash and burn, let's go back to basics. Going back to basics is going back to the day you started in the office, the day you started that new challenge. It's going all the way back to fragile, and that's too far. We want to go back to that comfort zone where we are 100% reliable. Now, this is good for performance, but it's also good for your mental health because this is where you're relaxed. This is where there's no pressure. I know I don't have to think this through. Everything just is natural. It's second nature. And once we get our comfort, uh, our, our confidence back, and we're in that good mental place, then we can start taking on another challenge. Unfortunately, some people stay out in that challenge zone saying, oh, well, this is the only place growth is. I don't need to go back to my comfort zone. They tell me stay out of my comfort zone. And that's when we start to get stressed, anxious, burnout. And that's when you have that massive drop. And, and unfortunately, people go into depression, stress, and, and sometimes worse things. So knowing where we are 100% reliable is your baseline of performance, right? And when we get back there, that's when we can start regrouping and then start taking on the next challenge. So how do we how do we then walk that fine line between the baseline and challenging ourselves? What's what's the secret? There's there's a model I have for human durability. It's five phases, but it's underpinned by uh, the fact that we have to have open, honest, confronting conversations with ourselves about the skills we have, the gaps we have, uh, our ability to take on these challenges. What are the opportunities? And all and there's a model for it that gives you a really good insight into what can I do, what can't I do? And we sometimes can't do the stuff that other people do 
because we don't have the skills that they do. But some people just go, do you know something? They had a go at it. It worked for them. I'm going to have a crack at it and see if it works out. And that's when it goes wrong because we don't have those open, honest, confronting conversations with ourselves that, do you know something? I'm not actually that well prepared for it. So this model gives us an insight into what skills we have and what skills we don't. And there's nothing wrong. In fact, it's sensational if you can admit to yourself, actually, do you know, I don't have all the skills or I don't have the finance or I don't have the experts to support me or I don't have the resources to be able to do that. So what do I need to now go away and, and uh, uh, acquire to be able to take on the challenge? And one of the things that I really like about going through this human durability process is that I see that we get two levels of comfort that come out of it. The first level of comfort is, my gosh, I want to take on a big challenge. Do I have the skills? Do I have the resources? Do I have the experts? Do I have the infrastructure? All that stuff. Okay, it's a big challenge, but do you know something? Actually, I think we've got everything we need. And even if the worst goes wrong, we can come back to that baseline and we'll still be able to perform well. So once we get that level of comfort that we've got everything in place and we can survive it, you'll actually go forward more confidently, more courageously, uh, and you'll make uh, decisions boldly that will take you further faster. The second level of comfort that comes out of it is, do you know something? don't have the resources, the infrastructure, whatever it is, it would be a silly decision to take to go forward at the moment. I need to step back and go and get those other resources. Now, the fact that I say there's a level of comfort that comes out of this is you're not just going, oh, it doesn't feel right, I'm not sure, and people are saying why, and you go, I don't know. When we do the analysis and we're able to articulate, this is the reason we're not going forward. Once we get these in place, we can. That's when people will look at you and go, do you know something? You're a leader. You've thought this through. You have given me confidence that once we've got these things in place, then we'll go forward. It's the, it's the ability to articulate our thoughts and planning process that will give our team the confidence to either follow us or, or not. Let me, let me extend that because a lot of what you've spoken about, obviously coming out of your own story your own background and yeah. your own injury and the trauma and the stress of that has been around humans and and building humans and humans understanding themselves human durability but if we're looking at a team a, a business 10 20 50 100 staff and now we want to take them on this strategic journey from a place where everybody comes in at nine and leaves at five because everyone's comfortable yeah um to a place of excellence, because this is the Business Excellence Podcast. How do we take those same human principles and apply them to a team? Um, it's exactly the same. The same principles can be applied to individuals, to leaders, um, to managers, to executives, and to the whole organisation. It's about the organisation taking a look at what their uh, capacity is to keep on going. The, the beauty of an organisation, though, is that an individual, a leader, whoever that might be, can only operate at a peak level for a certain period of time. Because if we try to operate at peak for a sustained period, then we will go to burnout as well. In an organisation, we are able to move people through. We have different shifts. We have different people able to step into a role. So we're able to sustain a higher level of performance. But the same processes that apply to people Apply to organisations too, because an organisation has a personality, it has a life, it has a, a heartbeat within that organisation. 
And the main thing it has is a culture. And when we can affect the culture of an organisation, then we can affect how well it operates. So how important then is, is culture in an organisation? The, um, the culture is either going to make or break an organisation. Um, and obviously my background is culture of Star Group, which is extreme high performance. Um, and I go out and talk to, I've spoken to elite netballers, I've spoken to the Adelaide Crows. Everybody has their opinion on whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, <laughs> but um, Adelaide 36ers, basketballers, all those, and the um, and both the male and female uh, cricket teams in South Australia as well. So um, embedding a culture of high performance as well as high compassion for yourself and the people around you at the same time um, is ultimately important. Okay, well, I am sorry to say we are just out of time. That's my job on this podcast is to uh, keep us running to a tight schedule. Derek, if our listeners wanted to get in touch with you, maybe book you for a presentation or or, uh, some coaching or workshops, what's the best way for them to do that? Um, My website is DerekMcManus.com, so I'm sure they'll get the spelling out of the podcast. Or email me directly at Derek at DerekMcManus.com um, and I'm sure you'll make my phone number available to everybody again, 0414-600-069. Give me a buzz um, and I really look forward to talking to anybody about it. Um, I travel all around Australia at the moment. Um, I've been to Vietnam. I've been to Fiji. Uh, I had a 4,000 audience in Singapore um, and I'm just lining up to do a tour of the US at the moment. So... I'm happy to hear from anybody around the world. Thanks so much, Derek. Thank you. Pleasure. Thank you, Rayel. Thanks, Lindsay. Thank you, Derek. And thank you to my co-host, Lindsay Adams. This is Rayel Bricker signing off for another edition of the Business Excellence Podcast with a reminder to pop along to excellencepodcast.com where you can download a number of free resources to help you on your journey to excellence in both business and in life.